Thank you for that. No pressure, right? I don't feel pressure. Do y'all feel pressure? You should. <laughs> I just get. Wow, I just had church, man. I mean, this wasn't that beautiful this morning. I mean, gosh. And, you know, the stuff that, that Joe and Kim were saying about their children and, you know, it was just amazing, really. Um, that's, I'll tell you, I feel that on the Lord's heart all the time as children, all the time. I don't ever feel like that, that his heart lifts on that. And I just believe that, you know, thank y'all, everybody who, you know, y'all all supported VBS, whether you did realize it or not. If you gave any money to this church, that a lot of that money, not, not well, you're not all of it, but some of that money, let's put it, some of that money went to VBS, okay, to make sure this, it happened. And uh, we really want to, you know, honor what the Lord, what's on the Lord's heart and love what's on the Lord's heart. And I just say that children are always on the Lord's heart. Amen? Always. So, yes and amen. Thank you, Lord. And they know how to have a good time in church. Right? They know how to have a good time. When you say we're going to worship children style, you saw what they did. They got happy about it. You know, we all need to get happy about that. Okay, I'm just going to try to share this word here. Oh, Lord, help me, please. Uh, I'm going to read this a few verses here. You know, last week, this is kind of a continuation of my message last week. If you were here, uh, that was awesome. You may have forgotten it. You're probably trying to remember, right? What did he talk about last week? It doesn't matter because you probably don't know what you ate for dinner last week, right? And so that's how I look at it. You just trust the Lord it went into you and it's doing what it's supposed to do, but... I talked about being, you know, Jesus said, pray for workers for the harvest. And I really kind of talked along the lines of, of compassion, having compassion, the compassion of the Lord for people, and empathy, having empathy for people, and even sympathy, because all of those are very biblical, biblical things. But I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit more this morning, but from a little bit of a different angle. And let me just tell you the reason, okay? Uh, well, hopefully the reason that's what the Lord's told me to do, right? But we all, are y'all with me? <laughs> but here, here's what happened. Marlon and I met with this, this pastor from uh, uh, Nigeria. And, you know, these guys are pretty powerful people over there. One of the things he said was, uh, y'all wouldn't last very long where I'm at. That's what he said. He said, we don't have, we, if, we don't have electricity, provided for us. If we have electricity, we had to generate it ourselves. You know, and he said my church is one of the was the first church in Nigeria that had air conditioning. I'm thinking, how'd you have air conditioning? Because we have propane generators that have been able to air condition the church. But he was telling me about what a lot of what the Lord has done in his church and and he said this is what he said. He said, It's just the gospel. That's what he said. It's just the gospel. And I just thought, man, that that was penetrating to me. It's just, it's just the gospel. And they've just seen God do miracle after miracle. In fact, you know what he told me when he got home? He sent me an email. He said, he said Satan tried to break my heart when I got home because my son was kidnapped. He said, but by the grace of God, he's now with me. Isn't that something? Satan tried to break my heart. You know, so that's the kind of world they live in. It's a very, you know, threatened world, but... They're, they're seeing the Lord do so many uh, beautiful things. But, but truthfully, I feel in my heart, uh, right you know, at the beginning of the year, um, here, Tony, take that away from me. <laughs> from the beginning of the year, the Lord has really been speaking to me uh, about, about the gospel and about his heart for humanity. And... And so, you know, I've been wrestling with that and trying to figure out some things, you know, how that really works out in, in our lives because it's, it's challenging. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, are y'all with me? Y'all just sitting there looking at me really just dumbfounded. That's so amazing. That <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let me read this. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. This is Mark, or Matthew 4, 20. 
the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. That good news is the gospel uh, in the original line. Announcing the gospel about the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. That's pretty, pretty powerful, uh, you know, in his day for news to go that far. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Isn't that beautiful? He healed them all. So let me, let me just begin like this. And this, this is what I'm feeling. And I think I've said this probably a, a numerous, numerous times over the, over the years because this has just been just an amazing thing, is our perception of God is everything. Our, how we see God affects everything in our life. It totally affects everything in our life. It affects, it affects how we see ourselves. It affects how we see other people. It affects how we see the world. It's, it affects what, when we hear news. It affects how we hear that news and how we respond to that news. Okay, it does, the, the, our, the way we see God affects all of that. It affects how we raise our children. It affects how we read the Bible. You cannot read the Bible and not be influenced by how you perceive God to be. Okay? It affects it. It colors it. It totally colors it. It colors everything about us. And so when Jesus came, when he came, this is actually the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is, this is the very beginning when he, right after he was baptized. And now right after he went into the Jordan, uh, you know, in the wilderness. He was baptized in Jordan, was, was in the wilderness for 40 days. And then his ministry began after that. And he began to preach all around Galilee, uh, the Sea of Galilee. He began to declare this, this message. And the first thing that Jesus did, if you read there and you really think about it, the first thing that he went after, he went after people's view of God how people saw God. In fact, he, he came, one of the things he came to do, he's really, he really cl- clearly states this, he came to reveal what God the Father was really like. That was, he said that in John 14, 8. Philip said, said, Lord, show us the Father. Let us see the Father. And that's all we need. That's what he said. That's all we need. This is at the end of his ministry. Somebody's asking him, Philip, who had been right there with him. And he said, Philip, Philip, have you not already seen me? I've, I've been with you this whole time. Haven't you seen this? If you see me, you see the Father. If you see me, you see the Father. And so right from the very beginning of his ministry on this earth, Jesus went head up. To go after people's view of God. And how did he do it? Well, one thing it says he did, he healed everybody. He didn't come with a message of judgment. He didn't come with a message of criticism. If you, if you think about this, John the Baptist and Jesus both were right there in the New Testament preaching. Okay, at the very beginning. John the Baptist was the one who prepared him. But they both had the same message. Their message was repent for the kingdom of God is here. Both of them preached that exact message. But here's the difference. John, preaching from an Old Testament understanding of God, said, you brood of vipers. That's what he called people. You brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee the wrath that was coming? That's what John said. Jesus comes preaching the same message to the very same people. And what does he do? He heals all of them. He didn't call them a brood of vipers. He didn't warn them about some terrible thing coming. He come to show them, I want to show you what the Father's like. I want to show you that He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to do something for you. See, that what He was trying to do was establish a foundation in people's hearts and people's understanding so that later when difficulties did arise and situations happen, they would have this foundation to rest on. They would have an understanding about what God is like and who God really is. Just like the VBS thing, God is good, you know. That's, that's, that was great. Wasn't that a great thing they had to really, really teach the kids? So he did, he, that was the first thing he did. And the next thing he did was announce the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom coming. And the word gospel, this is what it means. It means news that is almost too good to be true. News that is almost 
too good to be true. That's what the word gospel means. Think about it for a minute. And that's what he came announcing. He came to say, I've got some news for you that's almost too good to be true. But it is true. And he began to declare that news. He didn't declare bad news coming. He says, I've got something that's so good, it's, you wouldn't even believe it. If you... In fact, and, and here's the, the amazing thing about it, is in, in Jesus' day, nobody used that term gospel because nobody ever heard news that was almost too good to be true. It didn't exist. Nobody came. That's why Paul said in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why did he say that? Because he was, he was saying, you'd look, you might look like an idiot announcing something that was almost too good to be true. But he said, I'm not ashamed to say that. I've got some news that's almost too good to be true. Therefore, I'm not ashamed of it. Are y'all following this? And so that's what he did. So he announced this thing about the, the awesome news. And then, whoo, y'all okay? Come on, I feel. Yeah, come on. Amen, good. All right, this is, what, this is the one I want to talk a little bit about for a couple more minutes, okay? He destroyed, let me use that word really good, he destroyed, he crushed people's expectations about God. He absolutely, just, he just wiped it out. He wiped it out. Because here's, here's what your thing is. Your perception of God, how you see God, creates an expectation about God, Okay? The way you see him is going to create these expectations in your mind that God's going to be a certain way and do certain things. Okay? And so what, one of the first things he wants to do is I want to wipe out how you see God, and then when I do wipe that out, I'm going to wipe out how you believe God is and your expectation of what he's going to do. Because this, when he preached this gospel message, they were waiting on that message. The Jewish nation was waiting on the message that Jesus brought. But here's what the problem was. They were waiting on God to send the Savior into the world to do what? To set up a military rule in Israel, wipe, defeat the Romans who were occupying them, and bring Israel back to their former glory. So that's how the Jewish people saw the Messiah. That's what they felt the Messiah was going to do. Okay? Are y'all following this? So here's this Messiah that comes, okay, and instead of declaring military and natural might and natural power that I'm going to wipe the Romans out, he declared a kingdom of love and forgiveness and mercy and reaching out to people and taking care of the poor and clothing the naked and visiting the prisoners and visiting the sick and praying for the sick. That was his that was his declaration of the kingdom. But because they saw the Messiah as being a powerful military leader, they missed him. Are you following this? They totally missed him. I hope you all with me this morning. You're not looking like it. You're just sort of looking like you're just sitting there. Like, duh. Does it, have? it has everything to do with us. We're no different than them. We all have a perception of God. And a perception that we, and we all see God, and we have this bias towards God. We have a bias when we read the Bible that makes us see the Bible a certain way and hear something. We, we have a bias when we hear preaching that affects us. And what God wants to do in our life, He wants to get rid of all of that. He wants to, and, he, and you know, sometimes you have to destroy everything to get to the right thing and then rebuild it. Sometimes he has to destroy our theology. God will destroy your theology if you let him. I mean, he will wipe it off the planet. He will make you question many things and realize what you believe or you question it. I don't know what I believe. Good, because I want to tell you what you need to believe. Let me teach you how to believe right. Okay, let me read this little uh, thing. Um, this is just an example, oh, and I wanted to read to you because I love this story in the Bible. Uh, you know that story about the road to Emmaus in the Bible after Jesus was crucified and these two guys, or it might have, it might have been a guy and a girl. They haven't really decided that yet, but uh, Cleopas, I think, was one of them. And they were going to this village uh, called Emmaus. It's seven miles outside of Jerusalem, and we went there. But the problem with the road to Emmaus today is like Highway 21, there ain't going to be no walking on it because there's cars on it. But there really is that road. I, 
to me, I wanted, that was one thing I wanted to do when I went near Israel. I want to go on the road to Emmaus. I was not disappointed, okay? I didn't have this illusion in my mind it was going to look like it did then. But I wanted to go to it because that story is meaningful to me. Because I feel like I have walked that, I have like I have walked that road a, a million times in my heart, over and over and over and over. And I think it's a good road to walk. So, because, so here are these two people. Jesus had been crucified. And it says, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses out there. They were walking along, okay, and having this conversation. They were going to Emmaus, leaving Jerusalem. Jesus was dead. Jesus was buried. Okay, now I want you to put yourself in their, their place for a moment. Imagine what they had experienced. Okay, imagine what they had experienced. You know, they had experienced the most amazing move of God that had ever been on the earth. They saw people raised from the dead. They saw countless people healed. They heard teachings from God's mouth. They saw, they touched God. They were in God's presence. And all of a sudden, and everything that they believed, everything they were hoping for, suddenly was snatched away from them. Can you imagine the confusion they were in at that moment? Can you imagine how they felt at that moment? I mean, just put yourself in your most confusing moment where God did not show up, where God didn't do anything that you thought he was going to do, that you absolutely believed that he was going to do. And all of a sudden, he does it. And all of a sudden, everything that you believed and hoped for was destroyed in front of you. That's where they were at. That's a hard place to be. But God will allow us to make that walk. If you have never walked that walk, whenever you get on it, call me. I, can, I can't get you off, but I can tell you some things because we've walked that walk. But this is what, and Jesus came up alongside them. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus. They didn't see him. Their perception of him was not right. They thought he was just another stranger. And he began to talk to them about what was going on. This is what he said in verse 10. What are you, what are you, what are you discussing so intently as you walk as you walk along, what are you discussing so intently? And they stopped short, listen to this, sadness written across their face. Now, you can enter into their sadness. Every, I'm, many people in this room have been in that place of sadness where, where you were crushed in your heart. Why were you crushed? Same reason they're crushed. Because you had this belief, you had this hope, you had these dreams that God was going to do certain things and that he didn't. You had this expectation, Dean Stein, you had an expectation that God was going to do such and such thing in a such and such way and then he didn't. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And there you are, you're sad. And literally it says their hearts were sad. It wasn't just, a, it wasn't just an emotional response it was a deep, broken response in them because the dream they had, the belief they had, was suddenly toppled because they had an expectation of Jesus and Jesus wasn't fulfilling their expectation. That's a hard place to be. I tell you, it's a real hard place to be for people who love Jesus and people who, who believe in faith, and people who have a faith, and people who have dreams in their heart, and people who want to do something with their life, and people who want to make a difference on, on this planet. If you're a nominal Christian, that's not going to make that much difference to you. It's, it's really not. This, this story will just be another cool story, another sweet story in the Bible, if, if you're nominally following Jesus. Okay? But if you really have this thing in you about God created you and put you on this earth for something... That story is going to bother you. That story is going to get under your skin because you're going to relate to that story. And you're going to feel that story that's part of your story. That's, that's part of our story right here is this, this deep sadness, this deep hurt, this deep disappointment, okay, that they were in that moment. And I love, just love how the Bible really brings out this, the sadness. And this, this is what they said in verse 21. We had hoped he was the Messiah, who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped it. We'd put everything on him. We believed that about him. He had to be that. Our lives, our choices, our decisions about our future was based on what we were hoping in. 
we began to develop our lives and build our lives around this person and about what this person was going to do. And we begin to set up our lives based on what on that. Isn't that something? You know what I'm anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had a touch from God and you begin to build your life on that touch, about around that touch? Have you? Has anybody? I know you have. I know there's people in this room that God has, you've, you've been in, you have been so touched by God. God has spoken to you. God has given you vision. God has given you dreams. And you begin to build your life that way because you knew that was God. And you felt like because it was God, it was going to happen just the way you begin to work it out in your mind. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You begin to develop this picture, which I think is normal. I think it's natural. I think some of that's God. But you see what? God's not really committed to our picture. That's the problem with all this. He's really not. He's not committed to the creation that we create. He wants us to co-create with Him, but He really doesn't want us to create outside of Him. Ask Abraham and Sarah about the situation with Ishmael. You know, that sounds like a great plan, but it turned out to be not such a good plan. So we, so that's what expectation is. Wrong expectations about God. We expect God, let me get this to you. Expectations is something we use all the time. Wrong expectations about God. We expect God to show up and be a certain way and do certain things. And when, we, when He doesn't, we get broken. And we get broken hard. It's not that God falls, it's that scripture. Like, you know, it's great to fall on him and it will break you. And that's what it is. It's that breakingness that comes in your life. Y'all happy about this message, aren't you? I can tell y'all just look so thrilled with what I'm saying. Like, oh, yes, I love this. I just love this. Okay? I just really love this. You know, I feel, you know, Becky and I have learned this. And I think I want you to learn this. And I mean, some of you have because you've helped teach me that is uh, uh, your expectations of other people can destroy your relationship with them. Many of marriage have been broken because of wrong expectations from the spouse. One of the spouse had an expectation of this other person that could never fulfill. And they would get disappointed with them because they couldn't live up to what they expected them to be. You know, so we've had to learn, you know, in relationships is to let go of some of our expectations of people, is not to expect certain things from them. A person could be a certain way for years and all of a sudden they change. They're no longer like that. And you're trying to get them to be like you think they're supposed to be and get from them what they always gave you. And they're no longer doing that. And we learned the hard way. It's like we'll never, we can't stay friends with this person because we have an expectation and it's destroying our relationship with them because they are not going to meet our expectations. Are you, that's, a hard, that's a hard place to come to, but it's a good place to come to because it can create health in your life. You know, we talk about boundaries, like we need to have boundaries with other people. Y'all get that, right? Everybody gets the boundary thing. If you have it, you better get it <laughs> get it quick. I promise you. But I'm going to tell you, there's another little story. Other people also have boundaries with you. And we have to give them a right to have their boundaries, just like we want the right to have our boundaries, meaning we had to give them a right to be who they are and be what they are, even what they are to us, without us trying to force something from them and get something from them. And it really is really difficult in marriage, you know. I've, you know, Becky's disappointed me so much, you know. I'm just not, she's not really trying to be such a great wife. I've had to let all that go. Just kidding. It's opposite. She's, she learned all this and then told me because I taught her well about expectations. <laughs> I have disappointed her on numerous occasions. And she had to, finally had to figure out, I just got to let him go, God. Well, she literally did that. One time the Lord told her, like, get out of the way. Uh, this is for somebody. You're in between me and that spouse. Get out of the way and let me at him. That's what she did one time, and guess what? God got at, at me, started talking to me, letting me have some information about me and about what I was doing as a husband that was not going to work. And that if I kept it up, there was going to be some bad fruit. And I got, I got whipped in the line. Yes, sir. Wrong expectations, wrong perception about God can affect everything in your life. It can affect your health. It can affect your finances. 
it can affect your spiritual life. It can dampen you down really bad. See, I, I see a lot of Christians get so disappointed and they turn, they, get, they become lukewarm Christians. I'm, t- I'm talking about people who have passion in their heart because they feel disappointed with God. They feel hurt by God because God didn't do what they demanded of Him and required of Him because how they saw God, God had to do that. He had to. And like I said last week, and I stand on it, God owes us nothing. Nothing. He's already given it all to us. We just need to learn how to, how to tap into what He's already given us. So, let me go on here. Oh, uh, so, here's a good question because I asked the Lord that when I was in my depth of despair about expectations. Like, Lord, what am I supposed to do then, Lord? Am I not supposed to have any doggone expectations from you? I mean, you know, in a marriage, there's going to have to be some expectations, Right? I mean, you expect your spouse to be faithful. Is that a wrong expectation? No, it's really not. We are going to have some expectations, okay? But I think what God has really tried to teach me is to take and get rid of that word expectation. In other words, I can't demand Becky to be a faithful wife to me. She ultimately does not owe that to me. That's between her and God, not between me, her, and God. Are you following this? And so when I demand that she perform in the, area, in the arena of faithfulness, and thank God she's done, that's not an issue. You know, I mean, she's more faithful than ever. But it's because of something coming out of her heart, not something I've tried to make her do. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I can't make her be, I can't make God be faithful to me. I can't demand, like, okay, I've quoted these scriptures, I've done these things, I demand you do this. That's not a relationship. That's legalism. Like I said that last week. That will take you into religion. But you can believe in the goodness of God. And based on His goodness and based on His love that He's going to do these things. Are y'all following this? All right, let me read this scripture to you. Because I'm not done yet. I still got a couple minutes. Oh, mercy, Lord. Are y'all okay? I'm going to read this Colossians 1, 21 through 23. This is Paul talking to the Colossian believers. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, isn't that interesting? In your mind you were enemies by wicked works. Okay, so what you think ultimately is going to manifest in what you do. So in other words, what you think, if it's, if it's bad thinking, it's going to, it's going to be bad works. If it, so the way you think about God is going to manifest in your relationship with God. It's really important. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's how God sees us. Holy, blameless, above reproach. In other words, there's no reproach. He's saying you're above reproach. I don't care what you do, you're above reproach. That's how God sees us. And he wants us to begin to see ourselves like that. So this is what this does, okay? Does that mean you're never going to sin again? Probably not. You're probably going to sin. But when you do sin, you can realize this. God's not condemning me, okay? And really the truth is this is not who I am. I'm actually above reproach according to God, so I'm going to choose to live above this sin. You know, I'm going to begin to learn how to do that and not let that sin keep me captured. The sin that so easily besets us. Okay. Yeah, man, it is good. If indeed, listen to this, if indeed you you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away, listen, from the hope of the gospel. The hope this is now this is a powerful statement, the hope of the gospel. Uh, The hope of news too good to be true. Now, this is what we've got to get, y'all. This is where I feel like in my life, as believers, for For me, over 40 years following the Lord, have I drifted away from the news that's too good to be true? Almost. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? We We think about the gospel for somebody who don't know the Lord and they need the gospel. And that's a great thing. We all have the gospel. We're great. We're saved. But we drift away from this news that God has something that's almost too good to be true, not only from when you got saved, but for today. 
Now, that's where we had to shift. That's what Paul's saying right there. Have you drifted from that? Do you still have that hope in you that's driving you? Do you have, still have this thing in you where you, this, there's this news, there's this news that's too good to be true for your life? Does it, do you believe that? Do you believe that about your tomorrow? That, you, that it could be too good to be true? Your tomorrow. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. Oh, Okay. I got Tim tying my shoes. That's a big deal. Tim Oric don't tie people's shoes. You know, the only people's shoes he ties is his kids. So what does that make me? (laughs) (laughs) So I I think that's what God wants us to live in instead of expectations is he wants us to begin to live. I really got a punchline I want to give you, but I think he wants, and that's what I call expectancy. Okay, that's my definition of expectancy. It's hope that's inspired by the news that's too good to be true. That we begin to live in that instead of living in where we've been. Okay? Because not many of us are burning with hope in our hearts. Not many of us have this dream for tomorrow anymore. Okay? Not many of us do. There was a time a lot of us had this burning thing in us about tomorrow. We saw tomorrow being a great day. We saw God doing mighty things. But things didn't work out. Are you following me? And we found ourselves on the road to Emmaus. Sad. And we lost that thing in us. We lost that childlikeness in us. We lost that thing that says, my tomorrow is going to be better than my yesterday. And God's going to do these mighty things in my life. And I've got a dream for my life. God has a dream for my life. And my life's going to be better than it is right now. And God's going to use me or God's going to, God's going to do amazing things for me. And so we lived out, live out of our experience, our disappointing experience. Am I, am I talking to anybody in here this morning besides myself? But let me ask you this question. What if your disappointments of God not living up to your expectation is really God's mercy in your life? What if all the things that you dreamed for that got blown down was really the mercy of the Lord? What if it was the Lord saying, you know what? That's not my best for you. What if, what if it was His mercy? Instead of, I feel hurt by God and I feel disappointed by God, what if it was God saying, you know what, I'm doing that because I love you and I want something more for you than what you're mourning for yourself. Let me read this, this scripture to you. We all know this scripture. Oh, let me tell you this story. Oh, y'all going to love this story. This is a true story, okay? There was this girl, okay, she was 16 years old, I believe, and she was a Christian girl and really a dynamic girl, okay? She was full of the Holy Spirit and she was very popular in her world, okay? The world she lived in, she was popular. But, and, and, and she was popular for a good reason because she was, she was very attractive, but she loved the Lord. She had this vivaciousness about God on her. Well, she was loved in the church, but she was also loved by boys, Okay, because they were attracted not only to her physical, but they were attracted to that spiritual thing that they didn't, maybe they were aware of it or not, but they were attracted to her. And, and she was a wise girl for her age. She, she really had a lot of wisdom for her age. I mean, amazingly so. And so she was visiting with this woman who was a prophetess. Okay? And there was this one particular guy in this girl's life that she was really asking the Lord about because in her mind, she didn't want to just date guys. She was saying, you know, if God has this man, this guy for me, if he's, if he's my future, I want to know. If he's not, I need to move, you know, I need to move on. Right? That's the kind of thought. Well, she, she went to this, her friend, they visited this, this old woman who was like a prophetic voice. And they were, she prayed for her and she said, she said something to this nature. Honey... I perceive that there's a young man in your life. 
And you are wanting to know if he's the one. And I'm here to tell you today, that young man is not the one for you. Why? This is what she said. Why would you take bologna when you can have beef? Isn't that powerful? That is a very powerful word that God gave Becky Davis. I'm dead serious. I was the beef. (laughs) I'm serious. Now, I'm not feeling too beefy these days, but, you know, know, the beef had to get cured. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, here's the crazy thing about it. A few years after we were married, we went to this wedding, and there was this guy there. And he was a great guy. Let me just say this. This is a great guy. had nothing to do with his employment, but it was very powerful. We, Becky, we met this guy, and Becky knew him, and we talked to him. And, and what do you do for a living? I'm a pig farmer. That was the baloney. <laughs> Literally. And she, I didn't know it. Then she got in the car, and she said, that was the guy. That was the guy I was considering. Yeah. <laughs> he was the baloney. He was a baloney man. You know, the Lord really was letting Becky... The Lord did that for Becky because I think at that time she was pretty disgusted with me. <laughs> like, did I should have married Baloney instead of this guy who claims he's beef. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But sometimes the Lord does have beef for all of us, I think, all the times. And, and lots of times we're trying to eat Baloney. We're, tr- we're, we're, we're accepting less. I wanted to read this. I got two more scriptures I want to read to you. Are y'all with me on this? Uh, this is what Paul said in, in Ephesians 3. Now all glory to God, listen, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Infinitely accomplish it. More than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a powerful word? Let me tell you what happened to me besides the bologna and beef. I went through a time, and I think a lot of y'all walked through that time, where I was, I was disappointed badly. Now, I, didn't, I kept going because I'm a believer and keep going, you know, but I, I, was, I was hurting on the inside, you know. I was like the people on the road to a mess. Basically, I walked with a sadness. I even had a woman in China one time. I'll never forget it. And she, she said, hey, I want you to pray for me. Because I think you have a word from the Lord for me. And I said, I'll make a deal with you. Because I knew right away this woman was, was powerfully perfect. I said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll pray for you if you'll pray for me. She said, okay, I'll do that. So I prayed for her, gave her some words. She was really thankful. Then she laid hands on me. And she looked in my eyes. And I'll tell you this. It was like Jesus Christ looking into my soul. That's what I, when I was looking in her eyes, I saw his eyes looking back. And it went down into my soul. And it was frightening because at that moment I felt naked as the day I was born. That's how I felt. And you know what she said to me? Why the sadness? That's what she said to me. Why the sadness? That was her word. And you know what I said? I made up some dumb excuse because I didn't know what to say. I was like the guys up there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, let's do this. I didn't know what to say because God had, God had exposed me. God had looked into my heart and he wanted to, and he was asking me, Byron, why the sadness? Not that he needed the answer, but I needed to answer the question, why the sadness in me? Why the sadness? The sadness because I was broken and everything that I had dreamed of, I felt had been destroyed. My hope for my future, I felt was gone. I felt mediocre. I felt my best days were behind me. I felt at loss in my life. That's how I felt. I felt all that. I didn't act that way because I just kept pushing and pressing through by faith and trust that somewhere God was going to meet me. And I found myself one day saying to myself, well, this is just the way it's always going to be. And when I said that, I was frightened at those words because I realized that is the most not biblical view that there is because that is not even in the Bible anywhere. That's just the way it's always going to be. I'm going to live in sadness. I'm going to live in disappointment. I'm going to live in hurt. I'm going to live in grief. That is not biblical. Yes, we are going to walk through those things, but live in them. Is that my future? 
Am I going to let my failures and my disappointments, my mess up or other people's mess up be the thing that dictates how I'm going to live the rest of my life? Am I never going to have dreams from God again? Am I never going to have this hope to do something that I feel God's put in my heart again because the last time I blew it and I made a big mess of it? Is that the way I'm going to choose to live my life? Is that it? Because that is not the life that God has called one person in this room to live. None of us. None of us. He has not called us to live out of that. He's called us to live out of what Paul said, the hope of the gospel. The hope that something's better than you could even come up with. That's what he called us to live out of. Can I read one more scripture? Oh, I was wanting to, yeah, amen, that's good. So right in the middle, I was going to tell you, right in the middle, I get this note from this guy who's like a prophet. He is a prophet. You know, some people have heard of this guy, Bobby Connor. He's been here a few times. He sent me this note. This is what he said. He said, God bless you, Byron. That's how he would say it, right? You know, he's talking 90 miles an hour. Y'all know why he talks so fast? He told the story of why he talks so fast. He told it when he was here, actually. Because I used to do TV time, and I was a cheapo, so I wanted to say a lot of stuff real fast. <laughs> so I talked really fast what he said. He said, God bless you, Byron. I'm in Switzerland and just thinking of you. God bless. Seek, seek big things from God. Ephesians 3, 20. 21. That's what he told me. That's a word from the Lord. That was God speaking in to a sad person's heart. That was God speaking into a broken, a broken man's heart, a heartbroken person, a disappointed person, a person who quit dreaming, a person who quit believing for something awesome for God to do. That's what he was telling me. I wanted to read one more little scripture. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Y'all know this one. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's a sickness that'll come on us. And it's it's a spiritual sickness. And it'll destroy your passion for the Lord. It'll destroy your passion for life. It will destroy it. You'll be a shell of your former self. That's, That's what you'll become. Because all the hope that you had, not only was it deferred, it's gone. You've lost it. It's broken. It burned up. It burned up in the fire. It burned up in the test. It burned up in your failure. It burned up that when the other person did whatever they did. It burned up when God quit moving. All of that. It'll make you sick. It'll just make you sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Okay, you know, our tree of life is Jesus, right? He's, a, he's our dream fulfilled. And so... Here, here, let me just finish, okay? Are y'all okay? I hope I lived up to Dean Stein's great word. Hey, let me tell you something, Dean and Jenny. You, you gave me this word. You gave me this word. Do you hear what I'm telling you? You said 2019 is the year of expectancy, not expectation. You remember that? You need to eat that word. That's what the Lord told me to tell you. Eat the word. Here's what I got this amazing word from uh, Sarah Bollinger. How many people know Sarah? Sarah Bollinger, Matthew Bollinger started River Life uh, Chapel Hill. Oh, Lord, you talking about people going through the fire? They have walked through a rough ride here in the past few months. And, uh, you've, you know, Lord help, right? But I think I was with them. I thought, man, they passed the test. They're at the best place they've ever been. Although it may not look like it at the moment, they really are at the best place they've ever been because inwardly God did something in them. Isn't that right? If I sit down and talk to them, I walked away so joyful. You know, I can't fix their circumstances or the situation, but I tell you what, God's going to do something because God did something in them. But this is what Sarah said. We're talking about the whole dream thing. This is powerful. She said, this is what the Lord taught me. I'm not following dreams. I'm following Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Now, see, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. When we have these beautiful dreams from the Lord that we pursue after, somewhere in that pursuing, we stop really following Him and start start following that dream. 
Okay? And then what do we do with that dream? We start building our parts onto that dream when we're, when, when we're not following Him and letting Him show us how to do that. Y'all follow that? We start building our parts to that dream. And then something happens. A contrary wind will blow. Okay? And what you have built is going to get blown down because you were following the dream. You quit following that person, the person of the dream. This is important. I'm telling you. We were talking about this the other day, me and, uh, me and uh, Marlon. Is it me and Marlon, uh, Matthew Bulger and Andy Squires. We used to call ourselves the core four. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> we're all here together. We're the core four. We're going to have a reunion of the core four. And what we were talking about is what did we learn? What did we learn? Did we learn anything? Did God teach us anything? Because if God ever wants to move again, did we learn something from what he did before and what we didn't do well before? And I said, oh, I learned something. I've learned something. I learned I'm really good at hearing God and getting dreams from God. And I'm even better at taking those dreams and running off with them and leaving God behind. I learned that. I'm learned, I've learned that when God moves, I make all these, these dreams and all these things of how this is going to turn out. I'm real good at that. This is what the future is going to look like without God being involved. Oh, I've learned all that. I've learned it the hard way. It made me weep. And so God wants to teach us, you know, how to be dreamers. Okay? That's what he wants to do. He wants to teach us how to dream God's dreams. He wants us to, to discard this thinking that we've had on us, this, this old thinking, this disappointing thing, the thinking of defeat, the thinking of loss that has held us back. He wants us to step out of that now and step into a new time with him, a time to dream again, a time to really have God's dreams begin to flow in your life again. But it all has to be built on something besides dreams. It has to be built on the hope. Of the gospel. It has to be, that has to be the center. It can never leave us. We always had to have this thing that we're being driven, not by our dreams, but by this dream of God that it's better than you think. It's more than you think. We need to adapt ourselves to that. We need to say to the Lord, forgive me, Lord, because I've made you too small in my life. I've made God too small. You know, we can't really make God small, but we can make Him small in our thinking. We can make Him small in our hearts. That's why, the, you know, the song, Magnify the Lord with me. Make the Lord big in your thinking in your life. So, I feel like, you know, to me, what I'm talking to you about is the gospel for the Christian. For the Christian who's been born again, who's been filled with the Holy Ghost, who's walked and walked and walked, and felt sadness and felt brokenness and find themselves in a place where that passion. Because that was the beautiful thing about the road to Emmaus. At the end of the story, after they went, went through this thing with Jesus and Jesus appeared to them and they realized who he was, what did they say? Did our hearts not burn within us when he spoke to us? Is that he was igniting in them the passion that they had that they lost. He was giving it back to them. But it, this time it's going to be different, guys. This time it's going to be different. Because it's coming out of a revelation of Him, of, of the person and who He is and what He does. Are y'all, is that? Okay, so let's do this. Uh, huh? Okay. Let's get Rhonda Bumgarner up here. This is just something that I heard on Focus on the Family. Some of you may have heard it this week, but I felt like Byron was sharing kind of God's heart that's in this story. There was a girl, and she was 17 years old, and she was driving down the road, and a car came towards her, and her car flipped, and she found herself in the hospital, 17 years old, paralyzed from the waist down. And in the hospital, nine weeks, went home, and her mom came. Her mom had been taken care of her, and her mom came to her one day and said, I think it's time for you to put your jeans on. And she said, I can't put my jeans on. So her mom laid her jeans at, the, at her feet and walked out of the room. And she said she, in her anger, 
set up as much as she could and started. She got her feet into her jeans, and she laid back down in frustration. And a little bit later, she got them up to her knees and laid back down and cried in frustration. And she said she got it was about several times, six times, and she had her jeans up to her hips. And she said she lay there crying, and she was so angry she got silent. And when she got silent, she heard her mom in the other room weeping. (laughs) I think that's God's heart for us sometimes when we're going through things. He's weeping. No, so I just want to encourage any of you that's really struggling. He's weeping. He's weeping with you. So just be encouraged that you're not alone if you're in a hard season. He's weeping. Wow, that was awesome. Rhonda saved the whole message, right? (laughs) I wanted to pray for those people who are in that place like Rhonda. Why don't you stand up if you're one of those people? Just stand up. And don't be don't be ashamed. Like I said last, there's no shame. You know, we want to pray for you. Okay, if there's somebody standing around, I want you to lay hands on them, and and do what Jesus does. Jesus healed them all. That's the gospel. He healed them all. He healed them all. That means physical. That means demonic. That means psychological, emotional. He healed them all. Father, we just are coming before you right now, Lord, and believing that you want to heal them all. Say that with me. Say, he healed them all. Lord, heal now. Heal lives, Lord. Heal hearts. Heal minds. Heal minds, Lord. Lord, let let the dreamer in us be awakened. Let the disappointment that that has clung to us be broken off on us today in the name of Jesus. Let that disappointment go right now. I want you to give it to Him. You know, the Bible says to cast our cares upon the Lord so He can care for you, so He can take those cares and carry them for you. So, Lord, we, we ask you to do that right now in Jesus' name. Just breaking all those, give them, you, we need to let the Lord... You know, the, one, the first thing that the Bible says that God actually said in the, in the whole Bible was let. And so this is a moment to let. Let go. Let go. And let God do something. Let God have something in your life today. It may be a process. Like that was a process for me. That woman looking into my soul. The Lord looking into my soul through that woman them getting that note from from Bobby all that was part of what God was doing in my life this can be a part of something that God's doing in your life today to heal you and bring you back into a place of hope and bring you back into a place of vision and and being able to say that my, my future is better than my past it's much glorious so Lord we just ask you today right now in Jesus name Holy Spirit do what only you can do. We just give you this moment, Holy Spirit, to heal. And Lord, we want to break curses off in people. Lord, I believe there's demonic things that are binding people in this room. That's what Jesus, one of the things he says he did is if they were demonized, say, Lord, we just curse the demons today and declare the goodness of the Lord. What, what the enemy has come in to destroy and steal and kill. Lord, we just break the power of that curse today. Words that have been spoken. We break the power of them, Lord, and declare your word today, Lord God. Let healing flow right now. Let's just let the healing of the Holy Spirit flow on us right now. If you've said things, you might need to say to the Lord, I'm sorry I said that. Please, please forgive me. Please have mercy on me. Please break the power of my own words, Lord, that are creating havoc in my life. Just tell, if that's what you feel, tell the Lord that. Tell Him, and He'll break those words for you. And He'll put words in your mouth that will redirect your life and bring an anointing on you. Because our words do matter in the spiritual realm. The Bible says we'll be judged for every idle word. In other words, even idle words have power. Much less words that are spoken intentionally so if if you have if you feel convicted if you know that you've spoken stuff that you should not have said just acknowledge the truth and you'll get free of the power of those words and there can be an anointing that will come to you 
There can be an anointing that will destroy yokes off of you and destroy yokes off in your situation. And so, Lord, we're asking you to release that anointing in this room. There's people being bound by the devil in this room in their situations, in their finances, in their health, in their directions, in their future. And the enemy has taken advantage of situations. And God wants to step into that, into your situation today and make himself strong to you. He's just asking you to say yes. He's asking you to say, I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to let you, Lord. You know, the Bible says in Genesis that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the darkness of the earth, the chaos of the earth. The Holy Spirit is hovering over you right now. He is right there, what Rhonda said. He's right there. The Holy Spirit is hovering in your life. He's hovering in your home. He's hovering in your finances. He's hovering over you. And He wants to be in there with you. And your let is what is going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. And so, Holy Spirit, we're asking you, we're asking you to come into our darkness and come into our chaos. Come into our failure. Come into our brokenness. Come into our thinking. Come into our words. And do what only you can do. We're asking you today. We're asking you, come Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you to be in that. We know you're always with us. We're there. But we're making an intentional. An intentional word. An intentional invitation. For the let of God to come and begin to work and do the impossible and to change the situation and to break this thing, this cycle in my life. It would be broken because God came. The Spirit of God came into the darkness and God began to work in that darkness and created order out of disorder and brought light where there was darkness. And brought plans and brought a future and brought hope and brought anointing and gave people dreams and gave them destinies and spoke about a future that was beautiful and told them, You have a part to play in this. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do that. In our little worlds, our little lives, our little hearts, God. Lord, we curse sickness today. We curse disease today. We just say it's from the devil and we don't want it no more. And we're going to let you heal us. We're going to let you fix some things. And we're going to let you change our view of you today, God. And we're going to begin to see you differently. And our expectancy will line up with who you are, not who what we think you are. Yeah, Lord, come on. just share with me that there's someone here this morning that has like confused signals in their heart, more of a medical condition that's giving confused signals in their heart. The Lord wants to heal you. So if that's you, I encourage you to come up for prayer. And I ask the ministry team to come up. I want to share something pretty incredible that happened last Monday. Byron gave that message about going out and doing the work of the kingdom. And, and, um, Jenny and I are getting ready or have just launched as of this week a new business. And I went on a seven, eight hour motorcycle ride Monday. And I encourage you, if you're ever going to do four hours of VBS at night, don't do a seven, eight hour motorcycle ride earlier in the day. But I did. And whenever I ride, I pray. So the whole time 
I just commune with the Lord. And so I was riding and I just said, Lord, I want to start waging some spiritual warfare over this new business that we're launching. And so I just want to pray in tongues and let you lead in this. And as I was praying in tongues, I kept saying the word, Hinenu, Hinenu. And it's not one of the words that I normally have in my, in my spiritual language. And the more I thought of it, the more I thought, that sounds Hebrew, but I don't know what it means. So I got home and I texted my Israeli friend and I said, is there a Hebrew word, Hinenu? He said, yes, there is. It is the plural for the singular, here I am, send me. The Lord had me praying in Hebrew, in tongues, here we are, send us. And I feel like everything Byron talked about last week, everything he's talking about this week, it is for us, but it is for us to be effective in the sending. You receive that? It's for us to be effective in the kingdom, in the gospel. Can we have, did we have the ministry team come up? <laughs> well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you weep over us. Thank you that you have nothing but love. Whoever touches us touches the apple of your eye. You present us spotless, blameless before your heavenly Father on that day. You allow us even today to be seated in heavenly places. And Lord, we repent of all our expectations and we release to you all of our expectancy. You are a good God. When we're afraid, God is good. When we're sad, God is good. When there's change in our life, God is good. You are good. We love you, Jesus. We just love you, Jesus, so much. Father, I pray that you bless this congregation. You bless this people. You take the word that you planted in us as a seed this morning, and you cause it to grow and to multiply, not just add to it, but let it multiply, Lord God, and let us be able to to take this word and share it with others and live it out in our lives. And like Byron said, even if we forget by the end of the week what it was about, that will have accomplished in us what it was meant to. Because your word doesn't return to you void, but it accomplishes that which you've sent it forth to do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.